I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. What are your three words? It's a question Amber Armstrong, CMO of LivePerson, loves to ask her team members. Those three words can be anything. They can be a personal mantra, a list of questions, or even a grocery list. But regardless of what your three words are, the key is to make them count, make them relatable. But most importantly, to let those three words be the driving force of your end goal. When I was getting to know my team, I asked everyone for their three words. It all originates back off of my time at IBM working for Jenny Rometty, who was our CEO. And it was a well-known fact that when you talked to Jenny, you gave her three things and that's it. And when she talks, she gives three things and that's it. It's a number that you can remember. When you can remember things, they can become meaningful. They can really have a deeper association. Armstrong's three words are focused, passionate, and kind. And those three words are the backbone of how she hopes to continue building live person's marketing strategy. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Amber joined me for an insightful conversation about how LivePerson is building a robust ABM strategy to target not just the right clients, but the ones for whom LivePerson can have the most impact. Amber and I also took a trip down memory lane as she reminisced about how her past experiences, including how a transformative trip to Hong Kong and a 15-year career at IBM really shaped how she plans to push LivePerson forward. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron, VP of Strategy here at mission.org. And today we're speaking with Amber Armstrong, the Chief Marketing Officer at Live Person. Amber, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So dope to have you on the show. Again, as I mentioned before, I was so excited when we got Rob Lacasio to come on our show, Business X Factors. Fast forwarding now, I was like, who is their CMO? And I saw Amber is their CMO, fellow Austinite. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. I'm personally really excited about this one, specifically because you're in Austin, You have this really cool background and you're in your first hundred days or so as the CMO at Live Person. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fast 100 days for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm like, we want to get into all those things. And this episode's a special one for me because it's my first episode hosting this show. So, you know, as we go on and break the Internet even more after your episode comes live, this one's cool for me because I've, I've really been nerding out on, on the way the show flows and you're the perfect, you're a perfect guest for me to kick it off. So thank you again. 
happy to be part of your journey. Indeed, indeed. So give us just a little context. Uh, Where did you grow up? How many siblings? Uh, and then what are, were some of the most valuable lessons you took away from you know, the place you live? So I grew up in Lancaster, South Carolina, which is just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. So I, I oftentimes will tell people I'm from the Charlotte area because it's, it's so close. I have lived all over since then. I spent six years living in Charlotte, North Carolina, two more years living in Chapel Hill, six months in Hong Kong, a year, two years in New York City, eight in Austin, one back in New York, and now back in Austin for the last couple of years here. It's been quite a fun journey. I did a lot of that with IBM and uh, with business school. And so I got to I've been to 46 countries, so I've gotten to see a lot of this big world, and it's one of my favorite things. Love traveling. One of the, you know, I love that question, and what's something that kind of taught you, you kind of learned from growing up and, and your home. And I grew up with very middle class, working class type family. And my dad used to say all the time, you know, what's impossible? And the only answer was nothing. It's been a mantra that I've used for my life and has worked out pretty darn well, I would say. That's awesome. Okay. I just got chills when you said that because I'm a dad of a little girl who's three years old. And I just, that's something I'm going to steal from you. I'm just going to go ahead and steal from you now and, and inject that into the, the development of her. And we also have with three, we also have a three-year-old son and twin boys. And so we got the kiddos here and that that phrase right there, I love your dad already. Thank you. Thank you, Pops. <laughs> Pop, Pop, Pops Armstrong. Thank you for that. Um, because that's powerful. I mean, it's clear, Amber, that, you know, to navigate the, the corporate world that you've navigated, that is not easy. If anyone looks at your background to see where you spent time, the things you worked on, to see where you're at now. And this is definitely not the end for you. I mean, this is sky's the limit for you. And so that might seem cliche to some people, but I think that's really important. And you kind of, at a young age, started thinking nothing's impossible and, I, and, and believing that. So that's really beautiful. You've said that your personal mantra, focused, passionate, kind. Okay. Easy things to say, not so easy to implement in real life, in my opinion. So tell me about the backstory on that. Like, How did these three things become your mantra and how have they really helped your career as a CMO? Yeah. Absolutely. So in part, the, the three word idea, and I really stuck to three words, both in, you know, in, in lots of things, we can talk about it, how it actually uh, impacts our marketing strategy here at Live Person. And I can talk about it also from the perspective of when I was getting to know my team, I asked everyone for their three words. It all originates back off of my time at IBM, actually, and working for Jenny Rometty, who was our CEO. And it was a well-known fact that when you talked to Jenny, you gave her three things and that's it. And when she talks, she gives three things and that's it. And it's a, it's a number that you can remember. When you can remember things, they can become meaningful, right? They can, they can really have a deeper association. If I told you my 10 words, you wouldn't believe half of them, right? Because you're like, what? You know, but these three, you can just say them again and again, and they really stick with you. The reason I chose those three is because they are important to me personally, but I also know that when I'm at my best, I am those three things. And when I'm feeling out of sorts, when I'm feeling that I'm not at my best, I can go back and I can say, which of these things is not resonating with me right now? Is it that I feel distracted? Is it that I'm working on something that I don't really want to work on, that I don't really care about, that's not part of my, my being and my mission? Or do I feel like I'm so frustrated that I'm having to really actively think about being kind, right? And, and not being short with people and that sort of thing. And I can always correct one of those things, right? You can figure out what's at the root of one of those things and make it really actionable. The way I've implemented this in, in my experience at Live Person, I think is actually pretty interesting because I came into Live Person during COVID. We're all completely remote and I wanted to get to know the team. 
And so I sat at meetings with my direct reports and we all talked very intimately about, you know, okay, here's, here are my three words. What are your three words? And I love to not tell people I'm going to ask the question because I think you get the most kind of authentic answers in that, in that case. And then I went to their teams and we all had group meetings with their teams and we did the same thing. And we talked about, here are my words. And then everyone went around and said, here, here are their words that they were really feeling that were really important to them. We then took those words and put them into a graphical design that's representative of who we are. And it's great to see, and it's inspiring to see how we all ambitiously show up to the world and so much similarity in the things that really connected us as a leadership team and as as an individual contributors as well. Wow. That's beautiful. So cool. So let's, let's backstep a little bit and just, you know, first off, like, how did you first get started in marketing? Yeah, I started my career outside of undergrad working for what is now Wells Fargo First Union at the time in sales. And I was like, you know, this definitely is not for me. And I considered going down the path of training and she's like, you know, this just isn't like, this isn't, I didn't feel it was creative. I didn't feel that it was strategic and how I wanted to kind of be and, and show up in the world. And my undergrad had been in marketing. And so I decided to go get a job in tech and marketing. Um, I am nothing if not intentional and decided, yep, tech is where I want to be and marketing is it. And I really stayed from that point for my very second, the second job I took out of undergrad. Ultimately, I decided to go back to business school so that I could go to a larger company. Then I came out working for... IBM, obviously a very large company. And I had just a great ride at IBM. You know, I got to have many different careers inside of the almost 15 years that I was there. And it was just, it was incredibly impactful. I learned a ton. And then I decided, you know, I'm ready for something different. And I want to take all these things that I've learned and really apply them in a smaller space. And that's how I landed at Life Person. So, you attended UNC Chapel Hill where you got your MBA in marketing, right? Yeah. And then then you went on to China, a Chinese University of Hong Kong and then part of this kind of MBA exchange program. That's pretty interesting too. I mean, wh- what about that experience? Like tell me about about that experience yeah. and, and kind of what you what you gained from that because that's a pretty cool. That's a long ways away. And then to kind of bring some of that experience back. And yeah, I would love to hear some of that. Yeah, there's, you know, life always happens in the, the moments you don't expect it. And my best friend, Megan, and I were sitting in the B-School cafeteria and we were saying, gosh, you know, some of our friends are going off on exchanges. We should do that. But if we're going to do it, let's not go somewhere we'd go on vacation. Let's go somewhere really different. And we picked Hong Kong and, you know, I, I love Hong Kong dearly. If, you know, you said you've got to live somewhere outside of the United States for me, that would be Hong Kong. It's just this magical place. And it really opened up for me, always loved traveling, but it really opened up for me that, oh, Asia is this place that's really accessible. And I didn't really know that prior, prior to kind of showing up and I spent the first probably three quarters of a day hanging out inside of the hotel room, frightened to go outside by myself. <laughs> it's really intimidating, right? You're like, I don't know how this works. I can't read any of the signs. And ultimately I went out and just took a little adventure to the store across the street and then to the mall across the street. And then to the, you know, the, the actually took the bus to, to a different mall. And by the time my friends got there a day and a half later, I had explored, I had figured out how to get to school. I could show them. And it was a real confidence builder for me to be the outsider in this world of, you know, in, in Hong Kong and to figure out how to, how to make my way. Wow. Were there, were there specific marketing strategies or things that like an approach to marketing that you saw there that maybe was different than what you learned in school or things like that? It's really interesting from a consumer marketing perspective there, right? And it's 
But one thing I find this is this is true across all geographies. When you go to those geographies and it's outside of what you normally see, it becomes so much clearer the marketing and the differences. And you know, and in Hong Kong, as an example, there's some some kind of interesting things that jumped out at me is it's all bright colors and it's all happy people and, and it, it's a very they have a very set way that they do kind of their consumer marketing. It's really different. The other thing that jumped out at me that is it kind of fascinating, I think, is, you know, I was at the mall that, that second day was when I got to the, the remote mall and I couldn't understand a word that was being said around me. People in Hong Kong speak English, but only if you kind of ask them to. And so around me, I couldn't understand any other words, but everyone laughs the same. And a laugh in Hong Kong is the same as a laugh in the United States. It's the same as a laugh in France. And it just jumped out at me. It's this big like, communal thing that we all share. It was really, it's kind of an eye-opening moment for me. So fast forward to today, after a, a nearly 15-year run at, at IBM, you've, you've since joined LivePerson as the CMO. Can you tell us a little bit about the scope of your role as CMO and some of the projects that you're we're working on currently? Absolutely. So I've been here, you know, about 100 days or so. I have the full scope of marketing and communications. So, you know, in companies our size, they tend to put marketing and communications together, which I think is just really smart. So I have you know, responsibility for all of our external relations, uh, both whether it's analyst, whether it's press, all of those things fit in with our organization all the product marketing and branding, all the performance marketing, thinking about our field marketing and our events and demand gen more broadly, the website, all of those things fit into my purview. And I think the most important of all of those things that I can do as a CMO is really build a really incredibly tight partnership with our sales organization. And you know, it's interesting because that's not something we talk about as a division or a, a functional area, but it's so incredibly important that and I've got amazing partners on the sales side here. We also just hired recently Tony Owens, who came in from Salesforce and really excited to have him come in. He's our new worldwide president of field operations and really thinking about how we can really build that partnership between sales and marketing. That's huge. I was going to ask about that as well. You know, and you brought up, you know, this alignment, sales and marketing alignment, it comes up a lot, especially in the day and age we're in now. And especially with what the, the data and the, the technology that you're using, you know, sales and marketing teams have this reputation for being out of sync with each other, right? These days, we're seeing this kind of near complete shift to digital interactions means that organizations must continue to improve sales and marketing alignment. You know, are they going to risk losing ground to their competitors who have kind of stronger performance there? So what's been your experience, you know, with these teams, not only at LivePerson throughout your career, like how have these experiences aligning sales and marketing really informed you kind of bringing them together? And, and that's really an interesting topic. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that anybody that knows me that's listening to this podcast will, will have a little laugh at is account-based marketing. I'm incredibly passionate about it. And one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about it is because it drives alignment between sales and marketing. The approach we're taking, to give you an example right now on account-based marketing, is we have done some of the most rigorous, interesting scientific predictions around which accounts we're most likely to win using our data, applying machine learning, like really hardcore science stuff that's really exciting. We then have said, okay, sales team, let's really talk about the priorities you have for the geographies you want to reach and give us the accounts you think that we should be really focused on. And then what I do is I then go and say, okay, I'm only going to make investments in these accounts. And so it really gets that alignment and gets us all working from the same, the same page. And then we supplement that by third-party data. We're using Sixth Sense to come in and say, here's who's actually in market right now. And to really prioritize within that list, it's going to be about 19,000 accounts. And by 
going through a really slow, very intentional process on selecting those accounts, that's going to set us up for alignment every single step of the way down the road because we've already made the tough choices. We've already had the discussions of should we be doing marketing in, in this particular country or not, right? And we've because we've made those, we don't have to keep having those conversations down the pipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like that that alignment piece is already it's already top of mind for you and the, and the team, which is gonna it's gonna mean more growth for Live Person as well as you know. I saw I think it was last year you're up thirty one percent year over year growth. I mean the company's doing amazing. It's that fo- it's that intentional focus on account based marketing, which is also something that we we really want to see brands talking about more. And so you're already on that in that same vein, which is great. You're just at the 100 day kind of mark in your role. Um, when you first took over as CMO for Live Person, like what was your strategy for the first 100 days? Like, how did you approach that new role? The first thing I did was listen to the team, right? I spent a lot of time interacting with individuals on the team and also with our sales advisory, right? Because I think it's just so important that we come in and listen before we decide, right? Before we make a recommendation, because I was brought here because I have a set of experiences that are, we think going to be really helpful to a live person. There's a whole set of people here who have a whole set of experiences that have already been really impactful to a live person, right? This is a really successful company. We had great growth last year. We've had two successful quarters this year. So being able to merge those two is the sweet spot. That's the thing that will really let us have the longer term success that we want to have. And then the next part has been lining up our strategy, three words, and it's aligned, agile, and aspirational. I will admit the alliteration was not entirely natural, but it ultimately ended up being one of those things that kind of helped it stick in my mind a little bit. But it's about how do we connect across our business so that we do the most important things first, right? We really work towards that alignment from a product perspective, from a marketing perspective, and from a sales perspective. We have one of the other initiatives that we are working on right now is I've just trained our product marketers and our product team on the Pragmatic framework. We've gone through the product marketing training with Pragmatic. And the team gave great feedback on it, but it really forces this outside-in thinking and gives us all the same language, all targeted towards driving that alignment. On the agile side, you know, IBM's a great, great, phenomenal example of agile marketing. Right now, we're in the process of doing lots and lots of hiring. And so for you know, marketers, I'd love to have them understand all the great opportunities that we have at Live Person. Um, I was given 30% more headcount when I came in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Along with about 30%, well, now I guess probably 40% more budget. So we're making huge investments and I just need to get more and more people on board. And then we're going to really move into this agile marketing framework where we work in sprints and we continually make improvements. It's just constantly moving forward a little bit by a little bit each time. And then the last one is aspirational. The way we talk about our solutions today, we have, we have these amazing solutions. And we're right now, we're really good at telling you how these solutions are really great. What we're going to start doing is telling more, thinking more of how the, we connect that to the challenges that the audiences are trying to solve. And so we're working through repositioning and rebranding and you know, how exciting to be able to come into a company that is so open-minded. So we talked about the growth. Obviously, it's been it's been great, you know, with you and Rob and the leadership team there at the helm. I mean, I've been telling my friends, I'm like, pay attention to Live Person. Don't sleep on Live Person. They're they are not slowing down. Um, I also saw that there's this expansion into new verticals, you know, uh, healthcare, crypto, um, which I believe fall in some of your background at IBM as well. So why are these two verticals so important right now? Yeah, there. Well. Healthcare. I mean, gosh, is there anything more important to any of us in life in general, but especially in this moment? And so the healthcare has two angles to it, actually. So one of those is we have a solution that is a, it's a bot that is via an app 
that helps companies bring their employees back into their locations. So a bank, for example, can use it and offer COVID tests, at-home COVID testing, help them through the process and give them the ability to report back their results and then come into the office knowing that they're going to be able to keep everyone in that office safe. So that's one aspect of the healthcare side. The other aspect of the healthcare side is much more tied to how you think of our traditional business, where we are working with enterprises and smaller businesses, but in this situation, I'll focus on the enterprises to help them engage with their consumers in a way that the consumers actually want to engage. No consumer wants to call and sit on a 1-800 number forever and wait for somebody to respond. Also, if you really are honest, agents that are taking those calls aren't that excited about it either. And so what we can do is through messaging and those the platforms that we have, we can really connect healthcare providers in this example, banks, you know, travel, all of these different verticals. We can connect them with their consumers and have that interaction happen in a way that's exactly like the consumer talks to a friend. You're just messaging back and forth. You don't talk to your friend and then sit there and wait for 30 seconds to a minute until your friend responds. You talk to your friend. Then when they get a chance, they respond back to you and vice versa. That's what we do. We help this asynchronous communication happen. Now, crypto is super interesting, right? So we just signed this deal with Consensus and MetaMask. And what they are trying to do, what they're doing is changing the way the finance works. And it's empowering these set of people to really have ownership for how their money works, the returns that they get. And it's just an entirely different way of working, which is great. Why should we apply the old ways of interacting with consumers to this new model? When you talk about people in crypto, they're talking on Discord. They're they're talking different ways other than just on a website as we tend to think about in a B2B or a B2C type of environment most often. So let's go where they are and let's help them with messaging in the environments where they are and give them a way to interact with their consumers that's as innovative as their businesses. So clearly those two areas are going to be very interesting to watch as well. And those are, I mean, those are two areas I know for us as an organization, we pay attention to as well from an industry of how they're moving and how they're utilizing technology. And so um, I love it. You said consensus and MetaMask. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Awesome. We, we talked a little bit about the, we've seen all the, this profound change in these B2B organizations where professionals are, are no longer meeting face-to-face. There's kind of a, there's some hybrid, sometimes it's not. And there was a, a recent McKinsey survey where there was like, 36,000 or 3,600 B2B decision makers finding that the majority of them preferred remote, you know, human interactions or this kind of digital self-service play. So now you're seeing this happen a lot more. I'm curious how with this digital first models in place, like how is live person adapting to those changes? Really glad you asked because it's actually super interesting, right? Because when people want to connect digitally, that doesn't mean they don't want to connect, right? And I think you know, there's there's a method out there of commerce today that is give me what I want when I want it as quickly as you can with as little interaction as possible. And and that's great. In order to be able to do that, you actually have to really understand what people really want. In this world where, you know, cookies are going away and we're going to have to figure out how do we get to know consumers, web visitors, whatever you whatever kind of context you want to put them in, whether it's a consumer or a B2B, how can we get to know these audiences and help them along their journey in a way that's not intrusive? One of the ways we can do that is through messaging and conversational AI. When someone starts a conversation with you, it's naturally intentful because I'm telling you what I want. It's also consentful because I've chosen to speak to you. And so with those two things, it's a huge way to innovate around not having cookies and not having all of this kind of third-party data 
So you get your first party data. You create experiences in your website, on your app that are really interactive and that put the user in control of what they're sharing and how they're sharing it. And then as a marketer, we get to be so much smarter in how we serve them and we create this digital environment that feels a lot more personal than what it would be in a world with no cookies and, and, and no choice for consumers or for brands. How are you building up that first party data, right? Because live persons, there's this lack of third party data happening now. So how are you building up this first party data? It's through conversations. So if you come to our website, to our, to our brand's websites, doesn't really matter. When you come in and you start a conversation, whether that's through a support function or through a commerce function, we, we talk and that's consentful and intentful. Another way though, is you can do conversational ads. And so think of this, when you put out display advertising, what it's going to do is drop that person into a website. We've all been on websites. You then have to look around, figure out what you, is this what I want? Is it not what I want? What we can actually do is drop them into a conversation. Once you drop them into a conversation, the person's able to ask for the information that they're interested in. And with some very high level of, it depends on the, the different retailer or brand, with some level of sophistication, we can actually reply and handle those conversations using automations. All people want is an answer to their question. They don't care if there's a real person sitting on the other side of it, as long as it answers their question, right? And so then you can start to mine that data to really understand intent and tone for, oh, this person came in and they were really frustrated about something. And by the end of it, they're thank you, this is great. And then we, we measure that change in tone and that tells you how well is the butt working? How well is the agent working, right? All of those things have the same kind of measurability. How have event strategies shifted there at all? I know, I mean, there's obviously live events has been a massive kind of shakeup in that world. And like, what's your perspective on that? How, if, if at all, how have event strategies shifted there? Yeah, it's really interesting. So, you know, I, like most people, have the story of how I had to cancel my giant event because of COVID, you know, and for uh, IBM, we were running an event called the IoT Exchange. We were expecting about 2,000 people to show up into uh, Orlando for a big event. We had to cancel it. And we did something really interesting there. We moved to an academy format and we took the content that we were planning for that face-to-face -face event and we digitized it. And you know, it's really interesting because there was this, this kind of light bulb kind of moment where you know, our leadership team says, well, you, you already have all the presentations. Why don't you just put those online? It's like, was well, that actually doesn't work? Because we now have to tell a different story than what we were going to tell them. And we have to understand that this person, instead of sitting there with us and being captive for an hour, is maybe going to give us 15 minutes. And they're also going to be doing something else at the same time. And so how do we rethink the content? And so that was a big, big change that we had to go through to really rethink our content in those events and make it interactive, make it much more net than it, than it would be in a longer form kind of environment. We then did something that, you know, I think other companies, I've seen other companies do really successfully as well, just to shrink the events immensely. So, you know, going from this really large format event down to very, very small scale events. At Live Person, it's really interesting. I haven't had the pleasure yet of going to one of our amazing face-to-face -face events, but these are red carpet events. These are, these are spectacular events. And we actually just this week decided, or last week decided, we're going to pull back. We were planning to host another one of these in October. We've decided it's not time. We think there's, there's, especially with Delta and all the kind of changes that are kind of coming out here. You know, Austin has really terrible situation as I think you probably heard this weekend. But what we are ready for and what our brands have shared that they're also ready for is coming back to small format dinners. And so we're doing a series of dinners that will be around the world 
and we'll be inclusive of customers. So all of the customers we were going to bring to Miami, we're going to have them host a dinner in their city with no more than 20 people, probably even getting down to 10, right? And these are going to be really high-end, you know, very connecting events. And then we're also going to do a series of showcase events once a month that focuses on a specific topic that we would have talked about in our Miami event and bring those virtual audiences together for that as well. So we're hoping the hybrid approach, we're hoping we'll be able to continue with the small format dinners. The ones we've done so far, we started them back in June and um, we basically had to turn away attendees. And so we're really, yeah, we're really excited about it. And so hopefully, you know, things stay at a point we can keep doing that. Oh, that's amazing. Cool. So, you know, changes in, in customer priorities, they should lead to changes in strategy. So, so what changes are you seeing in terms of, you know, solving for intent? And, you know, are you noticing that you have to rapidly change anything in terms of buyer behavior now, right? Are you seeing things really drastically shift in this world that we're now in and, and seemingly not moving away from? Well, I think for sure, if you think about consumers, we deal with lots of retailers, right? So that's one of our major verticals. You think about how we all have shifted our buying habits. Those are things that are definitely not going back. And I'll give you a personal example for me. I have ordered groceries you know, from, from Whole Foods for, for quite a while. And that's just been a normal part of what I do. I had this you know, period of time, like most of us, where you couldn't get delivery because there just was, wasn't enough people to actually do it. I really learned how much I appreciated that online delivery. And I adapted my behaviors in order to be able to get in the first of the line of when those deliveries became available, because I didn't want to put myself and my family at risk of going into the stores. If, you know, if I could opt out, out of doing that, I wanted to be able to opt out of that. And so I started logging in as soon as slots became available and got all those things done. And now, I mean, I haven't been in a, been in a grocery store in a year, right? <laughs> and I'm not going back in a grocery store. I paid my way through college working in a grocery store. It was a great experience, but I'm just not going back. And we're seeing that that happens for, for all of the brands that we're working with, that people are interacting differently. There are things they're appreciating about our more digital world, and there are things they're missing from the connectivity side in our pre-pandemic world. And so we're really focused on how can we help people connect in meaningful ways, but that are still going to give them all the great benefits of living in this digital world. Thinking about global marketing, right? I mean, great global marketing brings new revenue opportunities. You know, it's probably one of the biggest drivers for global expansion. What's opening up for Live Person from a global marketing perspective right now? We we have some really fantastic global teams. So we've been you've know, been a global company for for a long time. I just recently hired a new leader for our AP team. And she's just, she's doing just a really great job and she's doing it from Australia where she's been under lockdown since she was hired. She's been really creative in the solutions. She's also taken a really localized approach. One of the things, you know, and I've been, I've always been on a worldwide team, by the way. So I've never had a geography specific responsibility. And what I know is that there are a couple of things you have to think about on global marketing. And one is what are the local challenges that that geography is facing? Because they're different than the ones that other geographies are facing. And the second is you have to speak to that geography in their language. Translations, yes, obviously. And we're working through, we're going to update our website. And as we do that, we're going to globalize and localize that as well. But even more than that, you have to talk to them about the customers that are in their geography, because that's who they want to hear from. It's great for them to hear from, you know, a U.S.-based reference, and that that's interesting. But when you when they hear a story of a company that's like them locally, it resonates so much better than if it was a you know someone that was far, far away. How do you go about localizing your messaging in, in these other markets? Lots of testing is it's really, really important, right? So you can take the heavy lifting of translation off 
the table pretty easily. But when you localize it is when it really starts to come to life, right? And that's changing your images, right? You, you can't have all of your images look the same. Your images need to look like the people in that market. Your words need to adapt, right? You need to call things what they're called in, in that market. There's also just general phrases and ways of speaking that are really important in those, those markets. It's also really important to think about what are the associations that matter in those markets? Because it's not, you know, not all associations are these global mammoths, right? There are different associations for different industries in different geographies. And when you do localization at your best, you work into those markets and the ways that resonates with those, those buyers. We had, we had a guest on uh, one of our other shows, the president of UNICEF USA, Michael Nienhaus, and he talked about this thinking global, acting local. Like Live Person, they've got a global reach and they're doing things around the world and how important it is to have that local messaging down to be able to get you know, feet on the ground and support, you know, the amazing things they're doing. So similarly to what you, you shared there, every every government around the world has slightly different trade and marketing laws, right? So how do you ensure that, you know, there are no laws really blocking your expansion? You know, how do you navigate that? Because you're in all these different places, bringing this new technology, and you talk about the ethics of conversational AI and all these different communities and government entities around the world. And how do you navigate that? I think it's you have to follow the privacy laws for, as an example, to take one of those, those areas, you have to follow the strictest implementation of those. And I've seen that go too far where it, it can be really restrictive to being able to do business and it can be an impediment to being competitive. But we have to take real responsibility for protecting people's data and for ensuring that their choices are represented. And so we, we just take that really very, very seriously. I like that. What do successful CMOs need to do when they take over any new role? I think first, listen, as, as we said earlier, I think second is come up with the strategy that can be memorable, right? And that people can really rally around and feel a part of. And then the third thing, and these aren't necessarily in order, but it's partner across. Spend a lot of time with your peers and learn from them and understand what motivates them and why and what are their teams trying to accomplish and understand how you can be a part of that mission. Because if we're all aligned across the, the sea level, we're able to get there so much faster. I'm so incredibly lucky here. I've got just the best set of peers. They're just, it's, it's really cool. I had a hunch. Yeah, having Rob on and now meeting you, I'm like, yep, they've got some ballers uh, on the team. That's clear. Um, so how should AI fit into a marketer's marketing strategy, right? How can AI currently being used in the marketing world be improved? Yeah. So I think the way that we can really think about AI and how it can really help us to progress marketing is in the same way you think about how to use data. For marketing, right? When you think of the role that data plays, think of like the the um, Mad Men phase, right? Like back in the days of Mad Men, there was stories and there was feeling and there was some data, but it wasn't quite, you know, quite touchable, right? Not, not entirely tangible data. Now, think of all the data that we have, and we've been able in that time frame to collect, to analyze. Now with AI, take it to the next level. Let's take all the data and now let's actually make it predictive. Let's get ahead of where our consumers want us to be. Let's get in front of what they want so that they're not coming to us and saying, hey, can you help me with this? Let's help them before they need it. And that, that's the promise of AI that I'm really excited about. LivePerson recently announced uh, a new partnership with Infosys. Uh, by the way, we had Ravi Kumar, president of Infosys, on our other show. Amazing man. Um, and I'm very bullish on Infosys. I, I think this organization, too, like I've known the brand, but after having kind of picked the hood up a bit and see what they're up to, when I saw that LivePerson and Infosys were partnering on this whole like customer experience transformation, I got really excited. 
So can you tell us a little bit about like how that partnership came to be? And then like, what is the next phase of this customer experience? Yeah, I can't tell you a lot about how that partnership came to be because that was before my time. Fair, okay, fair. <laughs> but but I can definitely tell you that we're really excited about it and thinking about how we go to market jointly on these because emphasis, you know, it, it, lots of our partners, right, have this really great capability and this extremely exciting set of customers. They're trying to solve customer experience challenges. We believe that you know with emphasis. They can come in and really help on the strategy and the thinking and then put our technology to use. They are amazing at actually using our technology. The great thing, and I know any B2B marketer, B2B SaaS marketer out there will agree, when you use the full set of technologies to their max capabilities, you get the best outcomes. Emphasis is a great partner that is able to do that right. They understand our technologies in full and are able to deploy those to the max for their customers. So it's super exciting. I love that. Again, that's another one for everyone out there. Like just pay attention to Infosys and LivePerson. What that collaboration is, is powerful. I already know. So um well done. Well done to the live person squad on that. Um when, when you're thinking about marketing and selling, you know, live person to a large enterprise, right? What stakeholders are you focused on reaching and influencing? Yeah, well, it's, it's a super interesting question and it, it's changing, right? So historically, we've sold primarily into anyone that's dealing with the contact center. So think of customer care, right? And anyone in that kind of a space. What we're seeing is that it's shifting to those audiences plus the chief digital officer, Right. So thinking more along those lines, we always have worked closely with the CIO office inside of our clients. And now it's really shifting again. So that we're also talking to marketers and sales leaders and really helping them think innovatively about how they can drive revenues with their clients in ways that put clients in the driver's seat. Mm, yeah, because it, it seems like well, I'm hearing a lot also about like revenue operations. There's like communication operations, marketing operations, revenue operations, which is becoming a little bit more to the forefront. Are you finding that as well in some of your interactions? Yeah, and I'm actually really excited about the work we're doing internally at LivePerson with our RevOps team to, to bring these things more closely together. The options that we have from MarTech it's amazing. The technologies out there are just better than they've ever been. And our ability to partner with sales and how we bring those technologies to market is, is so exciting, right? And not, I'm not even speaking about the things that we sell, right? I'm thinking more about, you know, I'm taking this data from Sixth Sense and merging it with our Salesforce data. And the, what that's telling us is, is really interesting and powerful. And when we work in silos of sales and marketing, you don't always get that. So that combo is it's super exciting. Are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Okay. If you weren't in marketing, what would you be doing? Oh, I would definitely be a chef without a Ooh, doubt. Love that. Okay. Um, what particular ad made you want to get into marketing? Oh my gosh, you know the the Mac ad where the lady's running and she like breaks through the screen. I mean, that's every marketer's dream. Love it. Okay. Um, if you could be any superhero, who would it be? Wonder Woman. Bam. I knew you were gonna say that, Amber. Um, what's your best advice for a first-time CMO? Listen, you gotta listen first. Love that. Um, you know, you keep saying that. I just want to comment because we've had some amazing executives on our shows and that that keeps coming up. I asked like these, you know, I had the chief product officer from PwC on the show and I said, what's the most important? Thing? He said, listen. And then I had the CMO from UPS, Kevin Warren. And he said, listen. And so you're this, it's the same thing. Cultivating this thing of listening keeps coming up and it's really beautiful and you're right in the same vein. So I love that. Um, one question you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often. I would really love if people asked, why do you do what you do? Mm, I love that. Well, final question. 
Why do you do what you do? <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. I do what I do because I love building teams and I love the idea of giving back to teams. And I find that marketing is a great way for me to be able to do that. It lines up with my skills. But more than anything, I, I want to create a world that people are excited to go to their jobs and that they are excited to tell their families about it at the end of the day. Amazing. Amber Armstrong, such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. I know we'll see you again. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.